Sports Podcast. I said, Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast with Andy Ruther and Joe Prano. Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. Welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. I am your host, Andy Ruther. Coming to you live from Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas, with my co-host Joey. No chill, Prano. Howdy, Andy. How you doing today, partner? I can't believe you didn't start out with Lil Tex. I thought this was like your whole thing going forward—that you were no longer Andy Ruther, you're just Lil Tex, because it explains all your your this the smallness in your life. That like this is you found your purpose here. This is what you were meant to become. I do have a new character. His name I, is... I don't know if it's a new character if it's you. You know what I mean? It's like, not me. You sure? Little Tex. Yee-haw! <laughs> uh, we, we've already got a video out of you uh, in your cowboy hat and your jorts from our first evening out. We also just put out a video of our attempt at the 72-ounce steak challenge. So if people want to see you as Little Tex, it's available. There's a lot going on with Little Tex. I've been working closely with Nick D'Alessandro, who made an amazing Little Tex video and also an amazing Big Texan Steakhouse Challenge, 72-ounce challenge. We're going to have a debut Little Tex rap song. Oh, boy. Full video. It's going to drop this week. I look forward to the comments that appear under this video. This thing is hot fire. I'm, I'm, I'm sure all of the dirt balls will agree. Well, here's the thing. I can, I can only imagine all the flame emojis that will be tweeted and you say put, that. put in the YouTube comments. Not only is Nick creating an amazing music video, he's like the Hype Williams. Remember Hype Williams used to do all the rapper videos back in the day? Yep. He's also writing a lot of the lyrics. Ah. So this is a joint project it's very undrake of you to recognize your ghostwriter yeah i rec i do come on i give everybody love in fact we've been bouncing ideas we've been working till 4 a.m on the little text debut and yeah by the way if you're going to talk a little text you can't just say the cowboy hat the jorts you forgot the amazing bolo tie and of course my new pair of cowboy boots from cavenders y'all now uh we i will have we're, obviously, we're going to get into the 72-ounce steak challenge that uh, we put a video up on. But uh, you wore the bolo tie, and I feel like that—I feel like that came—that became a factor in your performance. Oh yeah, and the jorts, and my, my whole outfit. I mean, I came to basically put on a performance that had nothing to do with actually eating. You, on the other hand. Straight face, didn't really look at me much during the challenge. And for anybody who doesn't know what we're talking about, definitely watch the video on YouTube. Nick, this is what this the is one Dirty of, Sports channel on YouTube. There's yeah. the Dirty Sports versus the 72 ounce steak challenge. So we, we talked we talked about this for weeks leading up to the, uh, the but event. I'll, but I'll be honest, dirt balls either miss things Here or go. Here we go. Here we go. Or just little Tex pulling out his six shooter, pew pew pew, firing at the dirt balls as he likes to do. Don't make me the bad guy. You know this too. Do they miss things? I mean, everybody misses things, right, bro? bro. But I'm just saying, bro. 
You're like, go to the YouTube and watch it, but just remember that you are stupid and you do mistakes. Like, I didn't say that. I didn't call him stupid. I just said, come on. I, my, my point is, I, the amount of DMs I got yesterday asking me what time I was going to the Astros game tonight. It's like, I'm not even in Houston. Or I'm, you know, we're in Dallas. We're going to the Rangers game tonight. But we're getting our full course meal of Texas, aren't we, Joe Prano? Yeah, absolutely. Side salad and all. How you feeling? We're on day. We we left we left Los Angeles on Friday morning. Our flight was delayed. You had to have another experience with Andy Ruther at the airport, which I know you hate. I I really can't stand traveling with you. It's I look forward to the days when uh, dirty sports get gets big enough where we can sit. Well, basically, where we can take entirely separate flights, have different cars that pick us up from the airport, stay in different hotel rooms, because it's a nightmare. First things first, you always want to get to the airport super early. You're like a 75-year-old woman when it comes. She's like, well, you know, I have my bag, and I've got to change my teeth when I get there. And, you know, I've got to moisturize and use a Purell for about 20 minutes before I board the plane. I was like, we can leave at 6.15. You're like, you finally gave in. You're like, I'm going to trust you on this one. Like I was asking you for the fucking nuclear codes. I've never missed a flight in my life. We live 20 minutes from LAX. You're like, fine. Well, we can leave a half hour early. <laughs> then we get there. We were two hours early for our flight. And then, classic Andy Ruther move, hanging around the airport for two hours. We're like, we have finally found your plane, and we are going to begin boarding. Um, we would like to welcome all podcast hosts first before our military personnel. And you're like, I have to take a shit. And you go right, you literally waited for them to start boarding the plane. And then you took a shit, which means I can't board the plane because I got to watch your backpack and your fucking, you know, hat case and all the other things you brought down to Texas. I got I to fucking keep my eye on your bolo tie. It was an amateur move. I did wait until they started calling. Two boarding. hours. We were delayed two, two hour hours. delay. Well, I didn't have to shit. You know, I was working up my poop and it finally hit me right when they called us to board. So I had to, you know. Go in the bathroom and handle and then business. And there's always grumpy Andy Ruth. Like, what's, going, what's going on here? Everything, everything's always, ah, these fucking planes. And the, ah. Well, Joe, you know me. These stupid overhead compartments. I have an itinerary. And we wanted, flying into Albuquerque, the goal was to go visit the Breaking Bad house. Yeah. Which, because of our delay, we couldn't do. So I was disappointed. Obviously, we have Nick here, and he's done an amazing job filming and editing. I just figured we were going to Photoshop us in front of the house. So now I guess we've spoiled that. Anything we don't get to do, Photoshop. You know what I mean? We also didn't put out a rap album, but one ki- our, our album cover came out on Twitter. You know what I mean? We should, though. Yeah. You want a little text? Can't You want a cameo with a little text? No, I'm good. What will be your rapper name? If, if I... Uh, if I was going to make a cameo, I would definitely do it like 2 Chains, where it seems like I'm coming from down the hall. Like the booth door's open, and he's just like, 2 Chains! Like, dude, wait until you get in front of the mic before you start yelling your name. Always walking down the hall, no chill! Just announcing my presence into the fucking <laughs> studio when I get off the elevator. But we made it. We made it to Texas, and then we also did the big Texas. So the first day, we flew into Albuquerque. We got in the car. Me, you... Producer, editor, director, Nick D'Alessandro, drive, uh, what was it, four, four and a half hours, Albuquerque to 
Amarillo. The whole day we have planned to do the 72-ounce steak challenge. We stopped. We got McDonald's at 4 p.m. So we made a reckless move. I didn't eat all day. Joe really didn't eat much. We decided to stop in the middle of New Mexico at a McDonald's. It's about 3 o'clock. I had one cheeseburger and a small fry. I thought that was going to work. It actually did hurt me, I think, in the challenge. It could, it could have been the difference. I'm not saying it was the difference, but I'm saying it could have been. I got two McChicken sandwiches. Yeah, that was reckless. A bad decision on my part. Just you know, At that point, I had only eaten all day. I'd eaten one banana and a protein bar. I should have just stuck with that before we tried the challenge. No, let Mickey D's get to me. Or as Nick here calls it, Don's. Don's, yeah. That's one of the strangest things I've ever heard. We, we learned this. I don't know if this is a Midwest thing. I, come over here, Nick. I, I want you to hop on the mic for this. Because Nick's with us now. I don't know if this is a thing where he's from in Michigan or if this is a millennial thing. Explain A millennial why- thing. Ruther is a millennial. Ex- is, it, is this a millennial thing, Andy? There's debate if I'm a millennial. I don't think there is. The millennial dates are pretty clear. There's debate. You're you're not only are you a millennial, you're one of the first millennials. You started like you are the beginning of the millennial generation. You're the one that started like I've seen the, the ball rolling. I've seen differing stances on this. Yeah, you you are you sticking with the Ask Jeeves answer of like, oh yeah, no, it's definitely eighty three. I don't know, but anyway, Nick's here. I and Nick showed Joe and I something new by calling McDonald's Don's. Nick, I want your take on this. So I I don't know if it's necessarily a Midwest thing, but it's something I guess me and my friends kind of started doing. Everyone, you you call me Nikki D, right? And it just got to a point where Nikki D, Mickey D, stuff like that. What else do you call McDonald's? Don's right there in the middle. You stick <laughs> with Don right there. I got my frock on here, as you see. And yeah, it's just a different Midwestern lingo. You know, frock you guys, it being a t-shirt with a front pocket. Of course, I mean a yeah. frock it. I believe most people will understand that reference. I would hope. Uh, yeah, I don't. I, I mean, the first time I'd heard it is when you said it. I mean, I, I, I've noticed that you walk around with a spork in your frocket so that you can easily eat milkshakes at Don's. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been awesome, you know, having me out here. You guys have been nothing but great. Uh, Long time editor, first time. Travel partner? Yes, right yeah. now. Oh, so, yeah. It's your first appearance on the podcast. Yeah, it's been a long time coming. It's been around since 2015, so I, I really can't thank you guys enough for bringing me out here. And also, uh, when were you born, Andy? I was born in November 26, 1981. So the end of 81. So 81, the millennial years, I have it up on my screen right now, is 81 to 96. I'm 96, you're 81. We're both end of the, we of have, the spectrum we have the, right We have here. the bookends of the millennial generation here. Right on. <laughs> Okay, fine. I'm a millennial. Uh, before we let Nick Nick get back to work, Nick, give us give us all of your info. Where are you on Twitter? Where are you on Instagram? Where are you on everything? Because honestly, Nick is crushing this trip so far. Every night, he's up till 4 a.m. editing with Andy Ruther sitting on his shoulder, being like, "Are you sure that's the best shot of my shorts? Is there not another angle? Is there a way we can Photoshop my shorts to be a little shorter?" And you're up every night till the wee hours of the morning. I just want everybody to be able to follow you and give you some love for the incredible editing job you've done on this trip. Yeah, sure. Uh, find me on Madden Mobile. Uh, Nick Dale <laughs> is my tag. You can play me. Uh, uh, Twitter, Nick Dale. But the thing about my Twitter handle is there's some dude in Australia who has the handle Nick Dale. So the L in Dale in my handle is actually a capital I. So it's Nick D-A-I-E. So you can find me there or Instagram, Nick Dale with four A's. 
Thank you, Nick. But you have been amazing. And uh, is this going to put any strain on your late night editing sessions? Now that you know you are like that, it's you're basically like a millennial editing pair. I know you're struggling with this right now. You, I can see it in your eyes. What do you mean strain? Like you know, is there going to be any tension in the editing booth, the late night editing booths? Now that no. Nick has exposed you as a millennial, I've loved it because Nick and I see you'll go to sleep like you did at the Days Inn, which, by the way, we stayed in without a doubt the shittiest Days Inn in the history of hotels. Uh, it's one of the shittier hotels alive. I'm not. I I have a feeling that there are some shitty Days Inns out there. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Yeah, the S, which which was out? Was it the Y or the S that was out on the sign? The Y. So it was Das in as you drive down yeah. Interstate 40. Das in. Das in. But I've enjoyed it because we'll, we'll stay up and we'll look at footage. I'm, I'm not harassing him. He knows this. I, I, I just like to see his process. I, I stay up late as it is. Yeah. So I might as well be productive. Yeah. He's already staying up late. And uh, I like to see because, you know, I'm not a video editor. And I like to see his process. And, again, if you don't watch the Big Texan Challenge on YouTube, you're basically not a dirtball to me. Wow. I mean, Nick took so much time to put this together. You did an amazing job. I went into full character mode as little text. Just go on YouTube and watch it. And I will say, Joe, talking about the challenge, and shout out to Bobby and Danny Lee, the owners of the Big Texan. They could not have been a more amazing duo to host us. Yeah. They were great. Fantastic guys. Uh, They've got their restaurant. And then after they had us over to their uh, concert venue, the uh, Starlight Inn, Starlight which was Ranch. Starlight Ranch. It was incredible. Uh, two of the nicest guys ever um, had us down there at the Big Texan. We we they they rolled out the red carpet. You know, just like I said, the sod poodles did for us. We got, we got a big Texas welcome from the Big Texan because even before we got to you know our planned sod poodles visit, we were already feeling that southern hospitality. Those guys were awesome. You know, beers on the house when we got in there. You know, taking it, get, they were nice enough to sit down for an interview, took us on a tour, told us the history, all of this stuff in, in our video. And obviously, um, you know, are, are we spoiling how it all went or are we trying to get people to watch the video? Well, I'm sure they're going to watch the video still. You, yeah. you came pretty close. Again, you keep saying that and I appreciate it, but uh, I, I felt like I. Put a better effort than I thought I was going to, uh, but we're you talking know. seventy. This is what it is for yeah. the 80th time: seventy-two ounces of steak, a side roll, a baked potato, three shrimp cocktail, four. I believe I, I th- wasn't there four there. Was three. three, and a side salad, all in sixty minutes or less. You were not allowed to stand up from your seat. We were on a big stage, and everybody was watching us. And I thought you did great. I, you know, I probably had 40 to 42 ounces of the steak. Uh, yeah, right out of the gate. Like, even, I didn't even know this, but we were at the hotel prepping, and you immediately came with, like, I'm just trying to beat you. I'm just trying to beat you. And I was like, whoa. I thought we were just both trying to take down this 72-ounce steak. I thought it was a 72-ounce steak challenge. I didn't think it was co-host versus co-host who can eat more. And I think that's where you psyched yourself out. Yeah. I think you psyched yourself out. You, uh... You know, you, you took it as basically that you were playing one-on-one with me, which you see in NBA games a lot, two of the stars. One guy's focused on, you know, outdoing the other in a head-to-head matchup, and the other guy's just focused on winning, and that guy usually comes out on top. You came out. It was all about beating me, and I just put my head down. And I was like, I'm, 
This is man versus food here. You were, you uh, weren't. I was copyright, obviously. I was taking in the atmosphere. Again, we were on a stage in the center. It's a big restaurant. It's packed, and the, and there's two stories. There's like, would you call it like a mezzanine level? Yeah. Where people can look down. They're eating. I really wanted to take in the environment. And, and a lot of people sit up in the mezzanine now. It's a it's a recent change because obviously the field level surrounded entirely by nets so no one gets hit with steak sauce yeah it's in true 2019 they the uh the upper level has an unobstructed view much safer yeah no one gets hit with you know the tails from the shrimp cocktail that just yeah. get thrown into the crowd and your millennial generation appreciates that the safety of the of the lower bowl not us early millennials okay we, we are a different faction you know there's like different factions of religions sure you know there's you, know, you take a Christian religion. You have See, like, he said it in mind, and now he's talking about how being a millennial is like being a uh, fucking Orthodox Jew. No, I'm just saying there's, there's there's different factions of millennials. Anyway, back to the point. I was taking in the atmosphere. I was really enjoying it. You were like, no, I came here to work. You were you were LeBron playoff mode. That's what I called it. You got in the zone, and you said, I don't care what's happening around me. I just thought there's no way I'm going to finish this. If I take a break, I was told eat fast. That was one of the tips we got yeah. from the Lee brothers. Eat fast. D don't enjoy it. Just focus. Just eat. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was playoff mode activated. I would say that you were sort of marathon Andy. You, pre you prepared horribly. Yes. You gave up early. Yes. And you, yes. And you didn't even come close to finishing. Yes. I was, I was full L.A. marathon Andy. I think I think by minute 30 – you had you had uh, you had tipped your big old little text hat back, and you're already stacking excuses. Too many people, too no, much, too no, many mixed I, chicken sandwiches. I, I really didn't use excuses. I was I was again I was very enamored by the the atmosphere. Just so everybody knows, again, it's a big restaurant. It's packed. It's a Friday night. We have dirt balls. Bobby and Danny Lee, again, amazing restaurant owners at the Big Tax, and you definitely got to check it out. They put dirt balls in the front, so we had a table of dirt balls in the front. Who came to support us? We had Maniacal Mitch, who's actually here in our Airbnb, yeah. all the way from Australia. So dirt balls. I'm not saying he set the bar high, but he has set it basically unbreakably high. Yeah, it, it's hard to come from farther away than Australia to attend a dirt ball meetup in Texas, and I don't want to throw shade, but I am gonna put and it like a, a giant umbrella against the majority of the southern part of the United States. Like if you live in New Mexico or Colorado or Oklahoma or Texas or Arkansas and you call yourself a dirt ball, like the idea that you couldn't get on a highway on a Saturday and come down and meet us at a sod poodles game when Mitch took literally how many flights? Four flights from from Australia? Three flights. Three different flights stop in Los Angeles, Las Vegas. I mean. I'm just going to say it. We discussed it in the car ride from Amarillo to Dallas-Fort Worth. I'd like to nominate Maniacal Mitch as a first ballot Dirty Sports Dirtball Hall of Famer. You know, uh, it was something that was going that we've definitely going to have to, when we get back to Venice Beach and we're in the confines of the Smut Studio, something we're going to have to discuss. But I will give you a little hint. I have reached out to uh, the guy who does our bronze busts, and I said, "Hey, melt melt down some metal, you know." Yeah. I, I, I'm saying just be be ready. You're on standby gotcha. because uh, there's some room on that 
that wall. Stanga's picture is getting uh, pretty lonely up there. I love it. So we're doing the challenge. The dirt balls are in the front, and we have to discuss the most turnt and out-of-control dirt ball. As usual, Jesus. Jesus. Cristo, as I call him. Jesus made his way from the Los Angeles area with his wife. Turns down for never. Turns down for never. He's the embodiment of turns down for never. Got in his car, brought his wife. I assume left his kids at home in like a room just filled with dog food or something like that. And was like, guys, (laughs) like he left him cat food in a kitty litter box. He's like, you're on your own. Take care of your brother. Shit in the box. (laughs) And uh, we'll see you when we get back. Turned down for never. And he, he's in the YouTube video with some great color commentary. Yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, he was doing the uh, the Insap uh, call. He was yeah. doing the Spanish call for those <laughs> listening in Espanol. So, uh, like, Ruther has no quit in him. Look at him. <laughs> Jesus's wife had a had a few too many beers, a few too many drinks. Everything's bigger in Texas. I look over middle of the challenge. It's probably about nine o'clock. Their food has not even arrived. She is face down on the table. She, there was one moment, it was, we were what, what do you say, half hour, 40 minutes into the con- into the contest? Probably about 30 minutes in. I looked over and she looked how I felt. Like I just wanted to put my head down, but I was, I was pressing on and then I look over and I'm not blaming her entirely, but like seeing somebody that had just given up made me want to give up. I was like, I was ready. I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to lay down. It was the anti-Jimmy V look. Yeah. And I, 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 let it, I let it affect me for one second, and then I locked back in. And then apparently much else, much other hoopla went down, but I was, I was locked back into my meat. Well, she, uh, she, she was head down, and then after that, she vomited everywhere. This is at the front of the restaurant by the stage. She vomits, she vomits everywhere. The reason I knew this was going on, you were too locked in. I was paying attention to the scene. Now they have headsets and radio mics. If the Big Texan is such a big restaurant, you know that you treat this like some sort of sports event yeah. or music venue. I heard someone be like, "We got to, we got to get a cleanup up here." You know, he's talking into his headset, and then all the workers come up and uh, classic dirtball mode. Something goes completely haywire. You can't bring the dirt balls to events without something going haywire. No. Just vomiting, you know, basically, basically, she she pinged, as we're calling it. Yeah. Somebody who just goes too far, too fast at a dirt ball meetup. You you got pinged. She pinged and uh She pinged out. They had to come clean up all the vomit. This is why we're well, trying the, to eat the, steak. The great thing about the big Texan is one, they tell us people vomit all the time, so they were prepared for this. They, they do the vomit cleanup. But again, shout out to the Lee brothers, like two of the honestly the nicest people ever. They didn't even blink. They didn't even blink. It was not, this is not even an issue. Not only did they not blink. They were like, oh, no, she threw up her steak. Does she want another steak to refill? We're like, that's okay. You don't have to. Not only did they not blink, they took care of us. They took care of mine and your meal, drinks, all the dirt balls, drinks and food. They yeah. comped everything after somebody yacked everywhere. Yeah, incredible. Southern hospitality is real, people. If you if you have not ever been to the Big Texan, if you're in Amarillo, Texas, or if you're driving through, you got to go. It's an experience. It's it's you know, if you're in Amarillo and you don't go, it's it's kind of dumb. We we hit two things, two the two must dos in Amarillo, in my opinion, the Big Texan and Hodgetown, where where the side poodles play. They they're absolute must. And I got to say, I was impressed with Amarillo, uh, the city as a whole. 
The Lee brothers obviously have the Starlight Ranch, which was incredible. Um, they, you know, cool concert venue. They use all kinds of like farming equipment as like the stage and the setup. It's an old water park. Super cool. Mitch and Wendy ziplined over the concert as it was happening. It's just wild. It's a, it was a really cool thing. And I, I was saying Amarillo is kind of fun. Yeah. Amarillo, I said it's, it's almost like Texas's San Jose. It's just got like one strip with a bunch of neon signs and it was fun. And I, I had a blast, and yeah, shout out again to those guys. And watch the video. At one point, my shirt had to come off because of the meat sweats. And uh, yeah, check out the Big Texan Challenge. Absolutely amazing. Had a blast doing it. And like my first marathon failure, I would like to also fail again at the Big Texan sometime in the future. What would you do different next time? Definitely no McDonald's at 3 o'clock. Yeah. Uh, I would also make sure I did some research. I did zero research on competitive eating, binge eating. Basically, it starts with like training your stomach. Like you should be drinking gallons of water for days going up to it, just stretching out your stomach with water. But I started doing research on binge eating while we were on the way there. So anything that you need to pre-prep of like more than four hours for, I couldn't do. Yeah. I the only thing I did do was wear loose clothing. I unbuckled my belt. I took off my shirt. I lost my hat. Basically, things started coming off. Throughout the contest, my sunglasses came off, my hat came off, my belt got undone. Then I took off my shirt. We were completely different. I was in the tightest jorts ever, a bolo tie, a tight flannel shirt. You were loosening up, and I was just tightening up. And if you remember, I made a prediction on this show that said, I think I could take down the steak. It's the sides that are going to fuck you up. And I stand by that. I think if I had not gone for the sides at all, I think I might have been able to get through just the steak, but at a half hour, I was cruising. Yeah. I was two-thirds of, the way, two-thirds of the way through the steak. I had finished the salad. I had a baked potato, three shrimp, and a roll on the side, and I was like, I have a third of a steak and those sides left. I'm going to fucking do it. And I started mixing everything into the same plate. I, I peeled the baked potato out with my hands, dumped it on the steak. I was just trying to take things down piece by piece and just hit a wall yeah just wall it's not easy i just went full dale earnhardt too soon is it It happened like 20 years ago yeah and his his son just had a plane crash so well even more too soon so i went full dale earnhardt jr i guess then yeah then we hit the sod poodle game the next night which you have said on this show earlier you put it on the instagram post on our dirty sports instagram without a doubt the best experience that you and I have ever had at a ballpark. Absolutely. I mean, shout out to Nick Yardley, legendary Nick Yardley, uh, part of that 315 crew, that upstate New York gang. Uh, he's been down here for their inaugural season. The, basically, the whole reason we came down here, he said, guys, I'm going to take care of you. Come down. He sent us gear early in the season. And, you know, I, I'm not going to lie. Throughout the year, as we discussed coming out, I'm like, in the end, what is it? It's a minor league team. It's cool that they're the Padres. It's cool it's their first year. It's cool that we have some gear. It's cool that dirt ball it. But like, it's essentially we're gonna go. To, we're going all the way to Amarillo, Texas, to go to a minor league baseball game. Not even close. The red carpet was fully rolled out. We were on the field hours early. We're watching them take batting practice, hanging out in the dugout, interviewing players, interviewing their manager 
who is a viral sensation from about a decade ago for for a, an epic managerial meltdown. Uh, just like being able to take in the whole stadium from every angle, from every level, access to everything. They had us participating in basically every part of the game. You know, we did we did a game that they play in the fourth inning where we tried to unwrap frozen T-shirts. Um, I got on the radio broadcast, which was incredible. We're going to get to that, Joe. Special surprise for the Dirt Balls. Joe called a whole inning with their play-by-play guy, Sam Levitt. Sam's amazing as well. Couldn't have been nicer. Yeah. Does an amazing play-by-play. Did, had us on the field. Sam interviewed us on the big screen prior to the game. Uh, they, basically, they treated us as if, you know, we were we were members of an old World Series team. You yeah. know? It's the 10th anniversary of the World Series. It's like We're like Kirk Gibson, you know, visiting Dodger Stadium in 30 years after 88. And what was so amazing about Nick and everybody a part of the organization was that they embraced us for being who we are. And I'm just going to be honest. And I'm not trying to diss the Mets or the Reds because we did events with them. But with Major League Baseball, and I want to bring this up because we discussed this in the car, versus Minor League Baseball, it's so strict and the rules are so rigid. But the Sod Poodle, Poodles couldn't have been more different where they basically said, hey, Andy Ruther is a giant douchebag who wears a massive cowboy hat i mean this hat you guys will see it in the videos if you watch them it's the biggest hat ever they embraced me wearing it on the field they yeah. wanted me to wear it you know wherever i went they didn't care they, like you be you you be little tex and they had you singing uh take me out to the ball game in the seventh it's and you're right we did talk about this it's like even on twitter the way major league baseball like you'll get blocked and fined and whatever if you ever post a major league baseball clip and if you go to the ballpark and you try to stack cups, they're going to be tear- tearing you out of the ballpark. And if you try to do this, if you try to do that, everything is so stuffy. And baseball is dying. I mean, that's just a fact. I love the game of baseball, but Major League Baseball is struggling hard. Meanwhile, Minor League Baseball just has a, the complete opposite approach, which is there's so many teams, there's so many affiliates, you know, there's four or five teams for every major league baseball team so you're looking at you know 200 150 200 minor league baseball teams they're all trying to steal a little piece of this pie of people watching baseball and so they're like anything to get attention whatever we do you know let's have a vote to see what our team name is let's have a vote to see what our stadium's named and all this stuff and i gotta say the sod poodles have been doing it great from day one day one before they, before they had grass on their field, we had hats. We had T-shirts. They're like, we have a relationship with this mid-level podcast. Let's roll out the red carpet for them. Here's gear. Come to a fucking game. And, and it was incredible. And they really did. Like It was an experience at a baseball game that it's going to be hard for me to go to other baseball games now. We're going to Texas Rangers game night. I'm like, so I'm not allowed to hang out in the dugout. I'm not allowed to coach third base in the sixth inning. What the hell is happening? You know, like yeah. I, I'm not allowed to fucking throw out the first pitch. This is some bullshit. Yeah. The bar has been set extremely high for all future games. And they really did the best job ever. And not only that, guys, it is a absolutely gorgeous stadium. Yeah, it, it really is. Hodgetown. Hodgetown is a 
beautiful stadium. It's a wonderful experience. If you're anywhere near Amarillo, I, I really can't suggest it enough. And it's a, it's a great crowd. Even though they were getting killed, my apologies to the Sod Poodles, the Saudis, the, the Ruther curse again. Yeah, the Ruther curse. The second you stepped on that field pregame, we it, we kind of knew it was over. They were losing nine to nothing. They hadn't got a hit till the sixth inning. The Ruther curse reared its head, but even with that, and it was, a, and by the way, it was a great night at the ballpark too. Bacher Strong, one of their one of the players' dads, fighting cancer. They wore the brown jerseys. They auctioned them off after the game. I actually interviewed uh, the Blake Bacher and his family. Yeah, Lake Bacher, who who's on the team, and his dad, who's fighting cancer. We didn't want you going anywhere near him because of the Ruther curse. We didn't we didn't think that would give him a great shot, so we kept you out of that interview entirely. Um, but Awesome event there. And and you know what? I got to shout out the Sod Poodles again because on a night like that, when there is this very serious thing going on, you almost might be like, guys, it would have been cool if you had gotten here on a Friday, but you got, you know, we have this whole thing. We're trying to raise money. We're trying. They're like, nah, we can do this all in one night. Let's a dirt, dirty sports podcast to go do their stupid antics and embarrass themselves on the field a hundred different ways. And simultaneously, let's try to raise money for this great cause. And like just everything about that made me be like, I, I love this organization and I love minor league baseball and I love Nick Yardley and, and basically everybody at the sod poodles who had us uh, to participate in the, in the whole day. And we're going to actually auction off a ball that we got from the Sod Poodles that you yeah. and I have both signed. Yeah, so I threw out one of the first pitches uh, before the game. You kissed the ball. I then threw it out. You, I, I didn't think about that. You Ruther cursed it with your mouth, and then I threw it high and wide. And uh, and then, you know, I was like, oh, we have this baseball. It's cool. It's got a Sod Poodle on it. I was like, maybe I'll just toss it to a kid. And then when I saw what they were doing with uh, the fundraising, uh, for the Bacher family, I said, you know what? Why don't you and I sign the ball? We'll take a picture of it. We'll put it up on our Twitter and our Instagram. Just comment underneath either the Twitter or the Instagram, and uh, we're going to keep track of the highest bid. Whoever bids the highest, we're going to send you the ball, and the money is going to go to uh, the campaign for the Bacher family. So we'll take that money, and we'll we'll make sure it gets into the hands of Nick Yardley and the folks at the Sod Poodles who are collecting money for um, one of their players' dads, who just completed his 33rd round of chemo. Yeah. I don't know if you guys know anything about cancer, but 33 rounds of chemo is uh, pretty badass stuff. Yeah, not fun. And, uh, yeah. So keep your eye out for that tweet and that Instagram post if you want a dirty sports sign baseball and if you want to help uh, a really good cause. Well, Joe, before we, we get to our next segment, which is going to be – your play-by-play, which was pretty fun to watch. You did a play-by-play again, a color commentary. I yeah, it was say. a color guy, Sam Levitt, who's a fellow New Yorker from Long Island, is the uh, official voice, the inaugural voice of the Sod Poodles. Very soothing, great voice. Yeah, by the way. fantastic voice, and uh, he was nice enough to invite me on for what was supposed to be a half-inning call of a baseball game, but I, as you'll hear, the Joe Prano bump. The other team went down one, two, three on about seven pitches. And they was like, hey, why don't you stick around for the bottom half of the inning? And uh, we went from there, and it was fun. And, in fact, one of the guests, one of the frequent guests of the Dirty Sports podcast, one of our favorite celebrity guests, made an appearance on the broadcast as well. Yeah. So 
You're not going to tease who it was? I'm not going to tease who it was, but we'll just say that uh, you know a good time was had by uh, myself, Sam, and a very tall, um, f- frequent celebrity guest of our show. Which was fun to see this celebrity guest doing a live call of a minor league game. He basically uh, was just you know, rolling it in because he had just made a, a very famous call of a major league game the night before. So he was feeling that baseball buzz. He wasn't done calling baseball. And so figured, well, if he's going to call some major league ball, why not call some minor league ball? So we invited him down to, uh, to Hodgetown, and he jumped on the call with me and Sam. Well, let's get to that call. It's the sixth inning of the game with you and Sam. Before we do that, Joe, I know you've had your fair share of beers on this trip in Texas, and I also know you brought something along to make that transition the next morning that much better. Absolutely. Cheers. My favorite new pre-drinking, post-drinking, I don't know, call it a supplement, a supplement to my game. Uh, Everything's bigger in Texas, especially the beers and especially that headache that I get the morning after. So I figured I'd bring some cheers with me, and I was taking it at the Sod Poodles game. I was taking it at the Big Texan, preparing for my my 40-year-old feeling the next morning. And what I love about Cheers is that it's designed to reduce, like Joe's saying, the negative effects of alcohol. It works, and uh, you should all use it, guys. Take it the end of the night, like Joe does. You fill up the ne- you wake up the next morning, you feel great, and best of all, for a limited time, our friends at Cheers are giving Dirty Sports listeners a chance to try out, try out, I should say, Cheers Restore for free. So just take advantage of this offer by simply going to takecheers.com forward slash dirty all you need to do is take a 30 second quiz pay one dollar for shipping and your four dose sample bottle will be on its way along with a free gift so once again that's takecheers.com forward slash dirty to get your first four doses of cheers restore for just one dollar cheers it's the best thing to happen to alcohol since alcohol and I will have that link in the description of the podcast bio. And if you send me a screenshot or a DM, say, hey, Ruther, I took cheers. I took advantage of this great offer that they have. I'll send you two free Dirty Sports koozies. Okay, let's get to the call of your sixth inning Amarillo Sob Poodles with Sam Levitt. 5-3 put out. And there's one down in the sixth inning. Well, we're joined right now by Joe Prano from the Dirty Sports Podcast. Tim and his co-host Andy Ruther are here tonight having a good time. Joe, how are you? I'm fantastic. This is the most fun I've ever had at a ballpark. Oh, good to have you here. Good to have you in Amarillo. What do you think? Oh, it's gorgeous. I love it. The Hodge Town's incredible. The city of Amarillo is surprisingly great. Uh, I didn't know what to think, and, and here we are just having the best time. The Sod Poodle's not doing so well. Uh, there's a perfect game being thrown against well, them. Well, there is, and I think we have a perfect explanation. Yeah. I've heard of the Ruther curse, your that's, co-host, Andy. That's right. The Ruther curse. Everything he touches goes to you-know-what. Exactly. Every team, Jeez, he's, every team he's ever picked uh, was immediately eliminated from whatever thing they were participating in, and, of course, now they're having a perfect game thrown against them. Get this guy out of here. I, Enough. Listen, I sit next to him twice a week for oh, two hours, goodness. so my whole life is the Ruther what curse. What are we doing? You brought a curse. 
You know, I say they say that you're not supposed to mention these things during games. Perfect well, games, we got no hitters, to. But we have to mention yeah. it because it's not going for our team. <laughs> so let's just keep mentioning Ruther's curse, the perfect game. I I bet that at the end at the in the bottom of this inning we're going to get a hit though. I have well, that kind of touch. Yeah, I certainly hope so. Charles LeBlanc rounded out to shortstop in that. Uh, second at bat, first pitch, or I should say the 1 1 to Sanchez in for a strike, 1 and 2. Sanchez tonight, three hits, a couple of RBIs, and a run scored. Once again, Joe Prano joining us from the Dirty Sports Podcast, very uh, popular podcast out there. This one grounded over to second, played by Miller, throws first base in time, and that's the inning. I mean, Joe, you want to stay on one more? Sure. Okay. Do you see how that went? Yes. See how fast that was? I joined the booth, and here we go. We're 1 2 3. No that, run. Six pitches? Yeah, there we go. No runs, no hits. Nobody left on. Middle of the sixth inning, Frisco nine, and Amarillo nothing on the Sock Poodles Radio Network. Back on the Sock Poodles Radio Network, we go to the bottom half of the sixth inning. Amarillo down nine, nothing. So far, so good for Jason Barr, the right-hander for Frisco tonight. He has thrown five. Perfect inning, struck out six. He'll face Overstreet, Kennedy, and Reed. In this sixth inning. Frisco nine runs, 13 hits, no errors. Amarillo no runs, no hits, and one error tonight. So we'll see if the Saudis can get the bats going in this sixth inning. Sam Levitt with you on the Soft Poodles Radio Network. We welcome in our audience on MILB TV as well. Joined again by Joe Prano from the Dirty Sports Podcast, very popular sports podcast. I mean, his co host. Andy Ruther do a great job. Very, very funny guys. A couple of comedians talking sports. Pitched Overstreet. He's up and in ball one. So, Joe, you, you were talking up a big game in that top of the inning, a one-two-three inning. Yep. Is this the inning? This is the inning. Here comes the rally. All I got to right. say, this pitcher, Barr, he's, he's got great stuff, and I'm not surprised with that mustache that he's pitching as well <laughs> as he is. Mustaches give you superpowers or so, I'm told. Yeah. But Look, I think this is the a, inning. Now, he's got a uh, – I actually have to get my binoculars out here and – Take a closer look as the 1-1 uh, comes in. Swing and a miss in the count, 1-2. and two. He's got sort of a, a thin yeah. mustache. You've got a, a bushy one. Yeah, not quite a pencil thin out there, but he's he's definitely got a medium mustache, whereas I go I go full Selleck. That's, my, there you that's go. what I always say. 1-2 up and in in the count now. 2-2 two two on Overstreet. Now, Sam, uh, you know, last night uh, Bill Walton got a lot of attention for calling a right. White Sox game, and he makes a lot of visits to our show, the Dirty Sports Podcast. Does he? Is he here tonight? He is. I thought we'd bring him down here to Amarillo. You know what? He could call, he I, could call I love half that. an inning. So Why if you not? don't mind me stepping out. 3-2, ripped in a right center, going back to Varis on the run, into the triple triangle, and it lands in, bends up against the fence. Up to second is Overstreet. And the first hit tonight for Amarillo, a leadoff double by Kyle Overstreet here in the sixth inning. And that's that Joe Prano bump I was talking Boom. about. Boom. I told you the rally was coming. So we've got the Ruther curse and the Joe Prano bump. That's right. There we go. And uh, and like I said, celebrities come with me, so I'm going to move out of the way here and let yeah, Bill, you know Bill what? take over. I'd love that. Oh, Sam, so, so excited to be here today. You know, I live down there on sea level in beautiful San Diego, California. But being up here at elevation is just so great for me because, you know, I love being high, Sam. This is amazing. This is just what a beautiful ballpark here in Hodgetown, watching the sod poodles throw down base hits. Pitch to A.J. Kennedy in for a strike on one. 
Well, Bill, it is uh, great to have you here. I, I don't know how you got down here to Amarillo. A quick well, trip. Well, you know, everywhere I go, I ride my bicycle. So I, I got on the I got on my trek out there in San Diego, and I just started pedaling. <laughs> I listened, actually, to one long Grateful Dead guitar solo, and before I knew it, here I was in Amarillo. There you go. Now the 0-1, and it's in for a strike in the count 0-2. Well. Uh, Bill, uh, what do you think of Hodgetown? I mean, Amarillo, Texas, this is a, a pretty up-and-coming, hopping place. I've been through a few times. Uh, as, as I mentioned, I followed the dead for years, so I've been through Amarillo. I was here for a concert in 83, right. although I don't remember a whole lot of it. <laughs> uh, but it's a fantastic town, and, and what a beautiful ballpark. The 0-2 is swing and a miss by Kennedy, strike three. So A.J. down on strikes, one down in the sixth inning, and Buddy Reed coming up. You know, anytime I go to a concert, they usually say to avoid anything brown being passed around the this the uh, concert venue. But these brown jerseys are beautiful. These brown jerseys and yellow sleeves. I had a VW bus in the 70s that was a very similar color combination. Well, uh, Bill, it is uh, great to have you here. Hope we can uh, have you on sometime again soon. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. I'm going to turn it back over to Joe because he got the rally started. All I'm right. going to get on I... my bike and meet these guys in Dallas. Yes, I think we got to turn it over to Joe. Throw and uh, down the 40. There you go. So, Joe, welcome back. Thank you. Was, <laughs> I mean, you know, we travel only with seven-foot former NBA players, and um, and Bill's a great one. So. How about this? How about this little uh, this little broken up perfect game we got? Yeah, one out. It is the uh, bottom of the sixth inning. Frisco nine, Amarillo nothing. Saudis trying to rally here. They got a lot of work to do. Buddy Reed to strike out his first time up. Overstreet the leadoff double on second. One man away. Switch hitter Reed digs in. By the way, Joey, another New York guy, so that's a, an added little bonus. Yes, we, got, we, we have a full Mets booth here. There we go. First pitch is swinging to miss, 0 and 1. Now, I grew up on the on the late 90s, early 2000s Mets. Yeah. Uh, big so, Mike Piazza guy. But, yeah. Edgardo well, I, Alfonso. I think all us Mets fans are big Mike Piazza guys. <laughs> He's not. But, but uh, yeah, the, the late 90s, we had, we had a nice little run there. Yeah. Obviously, the World Series got beat by our, our crosstown rivals. Um, but I, I was a young kid when uh, they won in 86. That's how I ended up a Mets fan. And I thought, well, these, this is great, right? I'll be just World Series forever. And uh, that was the last one. That's the thing about baseball, that when you get there, you never know when you're going to be back. 1-1. Swinging a fly ball foul left side out of play, 1-2. and two. A lot of people thought that. 1986 team would go on to win a lot of titles and it ended up being just that one. In fact that group only got to the playoffs one more time yeah. in 88 so it just shows you it's a funny game that way again Joe Prano joining us from the Dirty Sports Podcast. A uh, great show he does with uh, Andy Ruther a couple of comedians talking sports big following big show. If you're out there and you're, you need more sports talk in your life, you, the only sports you get is Sam a couple hours a night for <laughs> Sod Poodles Baseball. Get out there on the Apple Podcasts app or SoundCloud and give us a download. There you go. One, two, low on the count now. Two and two. And you guys, I know you had some fans out here tonight. We did, Pretty yeah. cool. We, we call our fans dirt balls. 
um, which is the highest compliment. Not usually a thing you want to see from your starting pitcher, but <laughs> our fans are dirt balls and they're a wild bunch. We've got a fan here from Australia. Wow. We've got a fan, a fan here from California, a couple fans here from California, uh, Colorado. They come from far and wide when we do something and they figured they'd come here and see us at the Sod Poodles game. 2-2 two, two inside. And the count now, 3-2. and two. Well, Joe and uh, Andy, a very funny podcast, do a great job. The Dirt Balls. Yeah, the Dirt right. Balls. The Dirt Balls, um, I'm, I'm sure they're excited to hear a broadcast happening right now that doesn't involve Andy Ruther, you know, <laughs> so there's a lot of calls for Well, guess what? For Les Ruther on the well, show, we, so you, you might be my new co-host, Sam. If there you we can, go. If you can squeeze I'm in, in. podcasting time. Yeah, 3-2 up and in ball four, so Reed walks. Double by Overstreet, walk to Buddy. First walk given up by Barr tonight. Two on, one out, and the leadoff man, Taylor Trammell, coming up. Now, Taylor is uh, a, a new acquisition, correct? He is. Came, came over Boy, you're, that, you're all that, over this. In that trade with the Reds, yeah. All right, yes, we'll get more on Taylor when we come back. Meanwhile, Frisco manager Joe Mikulik coming out, and it looks like he will take Jason Barr, who has allowed just one hit out of this game. And a new pitcher coming in for Frisco when we come back. We'll tell you who it is when we come back. A 9-0 Frisco lead, sixth inning. But the Saudis have two on, one out. We'll step aside, be back after this on the Amarillo Sod Poodles Radio Network. Sixth inning on this beautiful Saturday night here in downtown Amarillo. Left-hander Johander Mendez comes on. So Mendez. All right. They asked me to dance, Joe. Had to uh, oblige, right? You got to dance. For well, the dance cam. we are in the bottom of the sixth inning. Taylor Trammell to the plate. Kyle Overstreet got the first hit for Amarillo tonight. A double in the sixth inning. A walk to Buddy Reed. And now Tramiel is 0 for 2 with a couple of Ks tonight. Digs in Sam Levitt alongside Joe Prano from the Dirty Sports Podcast in this sixth inning. Johander Mendez comes on. And the pitch on the way. Swing and a miss. 0 and 1. So Mendez, who is currently on a rehab assignment from the Rangers on the 60-day DL. IL, I should say. Late March at a left elbow UCL sprain. Appeared in one game in that series last weekend in Frisco and now back in there tonight to face the lefty Trammell. Have you ever sprained your UCL, Sam? No. The 0-1 is up and in one and one. I am not nearly good enough an athlete to do that. <laughs> I don't even know if I could point to my UCL. <laughs> one and one. Trammell had the two-run home run. On Thursday night, Saudi's just trying to get something going here, down 9 nothing in the sixth. I'm feeling a big hit from Tramiel right here. The rally mustache is out, and we're getting it started. 1-1, one, one, and he hits one foul straight back, 1-2. and two. Well, you were right about a quick 1-2-3 inning. You were right about the Saudis getting their first hit of the night in this sixth inning. Will you be right about Taylor Tramiel? You know, one of my nicknames is Prenostradamus. There you go. Because of my future-seeing abilities. Meanwhile, my co-host uh, before the game asked if he was related to related to Alan Trammell, <laughs> uh, which I don't see the uh, resemblance. One, two in the dirt. 
And stopped by Sanchez. Runner stay put. Two and two. Again, uh, Joe from the Dirty Sports Pro Podcast. Very popular show. You can find out more at DirtySports.com. They have a lot of really good guests every Monday and Thursday, so twice a week. That's correct. Every Monday and Thursday, uh, we, we, uh, we do about hour and a half to two hours every week and uh, with football coming up that number will probably go up as NFL is a big part of our uh, big part of our show so two, tune in two two low on the count now three and two oh, I uh, certainly will I, I told you earlier I haven't uh, been a fan yet really did some prep for the interview yeah of course but, like, uh, a per, like the professional that you are you can you can bet on Monday I will uh, be locked in and Getting ready in the bathroom, brushing the teeth, and I got Joe and Andy. You know, you're, I know you're a busy guy in season, so, you know, as the Sod Poodles make their march toward the playoffs. 3-2, high fly ball, left field, way back at the wall, and it's off the fence. Overstreet around third base, ball bounces into shallow left field, and a double for Taylor Trammell. Buddy Reed stopped at third, an RBI base hit. The Joe Prano experience, everybody. Pranostradamus. Yeah, I see things. I see, I see, I see big rallies. I said a big hit. You know, I didn't say a home run specifically. I said a big hit. Two, two run double off the wall. No, just one run there, huh? Just got one in. So the Saudis on the board now a 9-1 game. Two more in scoring position. One out. Let's keep this thing going. I gotta tell you, I mean. Who needs Andy? We got Joe. Yeah, exactly. Well, see, how I do it is I know I'm just here for this half inning, so the longer the inning goes, the, go. the more airtime I get. Pitch to Ivan Castillo in for a strike on one. Now a 9-1 game. Sot Poodles trying to chip away. They've got two hits now, the double by Overstreet to begin the inning. And the RBI double by Trammell. That was a good piece of hitting by Trammell going the other way, banged it off that left field fence. Now the 0-1, and Castillo hits it foul straight back in the count 0-2. Now I've watched a lot of baseball. I've never seen somebody with the uh, back foot pad. I usually see that on the front foot. You do. Castillo fouling it off the back foot. Guy on deck, Edward Olivares, has it on the front foot. Good speed on the bases. Reed on third, Trammell on second. Time called at home plate. Now Castillo has been dynamite with runners in scoring position this year batting 323 with RASP the 0-2 swing line drive caught by the first baseman LeBlanc so two men away struck well by Castillo but right at LeBlanc and it's left up to Edward Olivares so I'm, I'm seeing another hit from Edward here. All I, right. I, you know, I like Castillo's swing, and he put a good, good stroke on that ball the other way. But it, it, still, the back foot pad threw me off. I see <laughs> the front foot pad on this guy. I'm seeing a base hit up the middle, two-run base hit. All right. Get a couple more. The uh, back foot pad, not a fan. Pitch on the way to Olivares, up and away ball one. Well, speaking of guys who have come through in so many big spots, Olivares batting 342 with runners in scoring position, had that huge home run. On Wednesday night, go ahead, Sean, in the seventh inning. This guy, Joe, having a Texas League MVP type of campaign. I see him, you know, 
penciled in in that three hole and uh, looks like he's got a good swing. I'm looking at his, his slash line up there. And yeah, this guy, I have a feeling that we'll be driving down the five in California to see him in San Diego That's pretty right. soon. Oh, in fact, there have been a, a number of guys that have gone from double A to San Diego this year. Andres Munoz, Adrian Morajone, Michelle Baez. I think this Sod Poodles team has ejected life into the entire organization. Mm -hmm. And good things to come for the San Diego Padres moving forward. 1 1, a swing and a miss, 1 and 2. That is Joe Prenostradamus. That's right. You heard it here first. 1 and 2 on Olivares as Mendez comes set. And the pitch on the way in the dirt. Two and two on Oli. Tramel on second, Reed on third base. Two outs, Olivares steps back in. Slightly open stance right side. And here it comes, up and away. And the count three and two. The dangerous Owen Miller on deck. So you, you sized up Olivares in yeah. the, the uh, on-deck circle. What do you think of Miller? Uh, Miller looks like he's he's ready to get in there. He wants he wants Olivares to save his ups, you know? He just wants a shot in that in that batter's box. I can I can smell it on him. He's itching to get in there. Three, two, away ball four. He's gonna right, get him. Go. He's gonna get him with the bases juiced. So I was wrong about a base hit, but maybe I just saw it a little too too early. Well, you were right about him getting on base. So now Owen Miller digs in. Big spot here, Amarillo trying to get back in this thing. They trail nine to one. Reed on third, Tramel on second, and Olivares on first base. And I can barely hear you, Sam. The Hodgetown crowd is electric right now. Now this place gets loud. It ready to erupt with one swing. Miller digs in the pitch. His low and away ball one. Zunica on deck. Mendez has got nowhere to put Miller. Bases loaded. Two men away. First goal leading nine to one. This team, Joe, they've had some big comebacks early this year. At times this year, they've been the comeback kids. This would be the granddaddy of them all. The 1-0. He's in for a strike in the count one and one. Down eight, that's a tough one, but you know what? You can you can get a, up to four of them back here. Miller can get a hold of one. I saw him taking batting practice. He looked pretty locked in, so. One and one. Mendez comes set, and here it is. Swing ground ball foul, third base side. Whizzes by Philip Wellman in that third base coaching box in the count one and two. You got a chance to chat with Welly earlier. What'd you think? I did, fantastic guy. Obviously we talked about his uh, his viral sensation from years ago and I I didn't take him to be the third base coach of the team. I thought, you know, the head well, honcho gets to sit in the dugout. <laughs> well, that is minor league baseball, Joe. That's fantastic. That's the way it goes. One and two the count. Bases loaded, two men away. Pitch on the way. In the dirt, good stop by Sanchez, two and two. In fact, the most runs that Amarillo has trailed by and come back to win a game this year, that was eight all the way back on May 26th. So if they can find a way to rally back tonight, it would be the biggest of the year. Down 9 nothing at one point, now 9-1. And, and being the first year of the franchise, it would be the biggest in franchise history. That's right. 
I, that's got to be the fun part of calling a first season. Everything's the biggest and the first in franchise history. 2-2 two, two up and away, 3-2. and two. So now, as they say, Joe, the carousel will be in motion. 3-2, and two, two men away. Bases loaded for Miller, and Mendez has got nowhere to put him. Three-two on the way, swinging a foul straight back, and we'll do it again at a full count to Miller. So what do you think? What do you see? I, I think Miller gets on one way or the other. Either, either he gets a base hit here and we get a couple more runs or, uh, or, or, or another three-two walk. But I see this rally continuing. The rally mustache, like I said, is out, and, uh, and all the Prenostradamusers out there believe. 3-2, up and away ball for he walked him. And that brings in a run. Buddy Reed comes in. RBI for Owen Miller. Two straight walks to Olivares and Miller. The base is still loaded. Now a 9-2 game. And Prenostradamus should strike again. Yeah, you know, you remember back in Anaheim years ago, they had the rally monkey and everybody held the little monkey and they shook it. I think maybe some stick-on mustaches here in Hodgetown. The rally mustache could be something that that could catch fire. I'm looking around, the people believe. I'll tell you what, Brad Zunica hits one out of here at this moment. I am all in on the rally mustache. Uh, you know, yesterday we tried the, the Big Texan Steak Challenge and uh, Brad Zunica, is it Zunica? Yeah, yes. Brad Zunica looks like he could take that no problem. This is, he's a big boy and he looks like he wants a big, fat steak right now. Well, hopefully one sitting out beyond right yeah. field. 6-6, 250. Lefty on lefty, the pitch. Waving him in, strike one. Blew it by him at 95 miles an hour. Stramel on third, Olivares on second, Miller on first base, now a 9-2 game. And Zunica could get Amarillo right back in this thing with one swing. Bottom half of the sixth inning. Now the 0-1, and Zunica fouls it straight back in the count 0-2. Calling for a little pine tar. He needs a better grip on that bat for this big two-strike swing we got coming up. Zunica batting 227 against lefties. Bases loaded, two men away. Mendez staring in, glove at his chest. He now brings the ball into his mitt. Comes set. And the 0-2 in the dirt, smothered by Sanchez. Boy, he's been active behind the plate. And the count now, one and two. That's a dirt ball right there, but not the good ones. Not, not the ones that tune into our show. Now, do you guys do a, a, a video of the show as well on YouTube? We do. We're live every episode okay. when, when oh. we are in our home studio. Like, we'll do an episode tomorrow right, from, right. from the road here, but we won't be on video. But whenever we're in the home studio in Venice Beach, California, we go live on YouTube. Got it. One, two, en route. Low, oh. and the count now, two and two. Good eye by Zunica there. That was a tough pitch to lay off. Well, you can see that from this angle down here. You can see that pitch go downward in the zone. Good now lay this, by Zunica, and the count now two and two. This isn't your usual view. No, we're up there. Pitch by Mendez. 
Swinging a high fly ball into left center, playable. Backing up is Tavares. He's there, and he puts it away for out number three. So in the inning, two runs on, two hits, and three left on. We head to the seventh inning. It's Frisco 9, Amarillo 2. Joe Prano from the Dirty Sports Podcast. Great to have you on. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure to be here. Enjoy. Thank you. All right, Joe Prano joining us from the Dirty Sports Podcast. We go to the seventh inning. It's Amarillo trailing 9-2 to two on the Amarillo South Poodles Radio Network. Joe, I have to say, you did an amazing job. And I couldn't fully hear everything. You guys were right behind home plate. I was standing right next to you, but obviously it's a packed stadium sold out full of people yeah how did you feel i thought you did a great job yeah it was uh it, it was fun to be a part of sam was awesome i mean i think if you listen to uh that call if you want to do if you want to go back and listen to it and do the uh play-by-play drinking game i think he says the the dirty sports podcast like six times with hilarious hosts andy ruther and joe prano like he pumps us up and it was great like it's easy doing color when you're working with a good play-by-play guy because he just would lead right into me you know i would sit there quietly until he said uh we're here with joe prano boom that's my cue we would go and uh he you know he would ask me my opinion on stuff he was ma- he was asking me to make predictions he really got into the Pranostradamus. he got into the ruther curse um i think he was a little concerned when uh bill made an appearance on the podcast or on the uh, on the call i think he was worried you know, on the minor league level, what, what Bill was maybe going to say. Uh, Bill made a, a quick reference to being high, which uh, I think put Sam on the edge of his seat. And then a subtle brown acid reference, which I think had him had him squirming a little bit. But, you know, man's job's on the line, and he doesn't know what some seven-foot former NBA player that's probably on mushrooms is going to say. So shout-out to Sam once again for just being uh, – Open and willing to have uh, Big Red join us as well. Yeah, and it was uh, it was super fun. It was great. I mean, I I honestly could do that every day. Yeah, I'm I'm much happier that you did the call versus Little Tex. Yeah, because I don't think that would have been that would have gone well. <laughs> you are you? Do you think Little Tex would have uh, dropped some cuss words? No, I think Little Tex would have just offended people. You you have made multiple references that you think the Little Tex character is a Texan cultural appropriation. Yeah. I mean, you wear jorts, you wear boots, you wear the biggest hat ever, uh, you wear a bolo tie. I, I was mentioning the bolo tie before because I said, uh, I think the bolo tie, and, you know, it's, it's, its thing is actually kind of, it's basically a choking device. Yeah. But uh, you wore one. Philip Rivers wears one. You made absolutely no effort in the uh, – 72 ounce steak challenge. Let's like basically you were eliminated in the wild card round of the uh, 72 ounce steak challenge. I'm starting to think, are, like, is it just a natural thing for chokers to wear bolo ties? Is it like, are they drawn to the bolo tie for its, are they people who like to be choked? Are taking you taking some digs at Phillip Rivers? I I'm say. not. I'm just saying, you yeah. know, I'm just saying we had Sean Merriman on and uh, we talked, we talked Phillip Rivers. And everybody agrees he's a Hall of Famer, but uh, like you in the 72-ounce steak challenge, he he tends to tap out pretty early. Well, I think you're going to – I have a feeling you're going to be having this conversation when we go to the Strohs game tomorrow night with your, your good friend Zach, who's a diehard Chargers fan. Yeah, a diehard Chargers fan living in Houston who uh, 
you know, good, good for him. Hey, look, I, I say this with all uh, players, you know, and fans of players is like, if, if you're happy with what the guy's done, then be happy. Like, I don't need, I don't need to convince you not to like Philip Rivers or whatever. Like, love Philip Rivers. You're a diehard Chargers fan. You never want to win a Super Bowl. F- enjoy. Well, we are going to the Astros game. We're going to the, the Rangers game tonight. We're going to the Astros game Tuesday night. Our tickets for the Stros game will be in section 109, row 25. A lot of dirt balls have asked. We have a lot of Houston area dirt balls. Again, we will be sitting in section 109, row 25. If you guys didn't get this by the time the podcast air or by the time the, the game happens, I don't know what to tell you. But I'm really stoked about tonight's game in Arlington. You hopped on SeatGeek today. I did. Tell the dirt balls how cheap you found tickets for I mean, tonight's I game. I don't want to trash uh, the good fans of the city of Dallas. Uh, you know, me being a New York Giants fan, I don't want to throw any shade at the folks here in uh, – Dallas Fort Worth, but you can get fifth row tickets on the first base side for ten dollars. There's four of us here, so essentially with our SeatGeek promo code, promo code Dirty, uh, one of us goes to this game for free. For free, fifth row, first base side. You know I'm very anti sitting behind nets, and maybe that's part of it. Maybe they can't sell these tickets behind the nets anymore. But f- the idea that you can sit fifth row for ten dollars. Is either the Nets are ruining everybody's life, strong possibility, or people in Dallas are soft as shit, also a strong possibility. Well, Joe found those tickets on SeatGeek, guys, like he was saying. SeatGeek will give you $10 off on your first SeatGeek purchase. All you need to do is use our promo code. So just download the SeatGeek app today and use promo code DIRTY. That's D-I-R-T-Y for $10 off on your first purchase. That's promo code DIRTY for $10 off on your first purchase. I'm looking forward to that game tonight. I'm also looking forward to heading down to Houston. Two new ballparks that we're going to be catching. And uh, we should get to some sports news. But before we do that, I have to bring up our amazing experience that we had Saturday night at Whataburger in Amarillo. Right. And I'm going to have to bring in Nick D'Alessandro again because because you and I, we, we left the bar. We were, we were hanging out with the Dirt Balls at the, the lit arcade bar. Right. It, it's lit. It was literally called lit. Yeah. Arcade bar. And I was proud of you for not beating that, beating a dead bush, as you say, into the ground the whole night, just like looking at the logo on the wall. It's lit. So we leave the bar. Now, Nick tells me earlier in the night, I was like, where do we want to go for late night food? By the way, just since we're talking about the It's Lit, I've got I've to read this meme that somebody sent me that is basically the Andy Ruther meme. It's uh, how slang spreads. Here's slang for first time. Hate on it. Use it ironically. Can't stop using it. Help. It's lit, fam. <laughs> this, is, this is basically Andy Ruther's use of uh, slang. Here's for the first time, then hate on it, then use it ironically, then can't stop using it, then help, then it's lit, fam. Agree to disagree on that one. Okay. <laughs> so I asked Nick, and, I, and he said he's never been to Whataburger. And I said, well, you know, Whataburger is a, is a Texas fast food restaurant late night staple. So I say we got to go. So we, we proceed to leave the it's lit arcade bar, which was a debacle. 
we see somebody in the parking lot. I don't. I don't even know how aggressively back up into another car. Yeah, they rear-ended. They they went ass to ass. They rear-ended a car with their back end. They backed into a car. Yeah. Uh, and we were all like, "Oh fuck!" They set the car alarm off. I actually went and checked out the car. There was a, there was minimal to no to minimal damage. And they speed off. They speed off into the night in Amarillo. Yep. So everybody's already all worked up. Two guys across the street take their shirts off. They're ready to fight. And Nick Yardley wants the fight to happen. Everybody has their phones out. We're, we're ready for like a world star or viral moment. And Nick Yardley yells Nick Yardley out, with a top three quote of the trip so far. Definitely top three quote of the trip. Yells at square up. Yeah. Just trying to get a fight going. Wanting to see a fight. Yeah. You said very upstate New York of him to want to see the fight and yeah. to film it. So I said, guys, we all got to go to Whataburger. And uh, I can fit a few people in my rental car. Shout and, out to and, CT. And Walt uh, said, it's Whataburger. <laughs> and there's a Whataburger near there. I got, it's me, you, Nick, Micah, yeah. and Jimmy, two yep. other dirt balls. And I said, we got to go to Whataburger. Shout out to Micah from coming down from Colorado and Jimmy from taking the long drive up from San Antonio. That's right. We get in the drive through at the nearby Whataburger. And I'm not happy because I said, we got to eat in. We got to yeah, go. We were actually at an open Whataburger, drive through open, and you refused to let us eat drive through. I said, look, this Which, man has I've not- never heard of anything like this. You turned down food in the immediate, and you were like, no, we need to eat in a Whataburger. Because I wanted him to experience a Whataburger as a first time. I've been to Whataburger late night in different parts of Texas. I've been. Uh, in Austin, I've been to one I know in what's not Texas, Oklahoma City. I've been to a few kind of wild Whataburgers late night, and I know shit goes down. So I said, I want Nick to experience this. You're not happy. We get in a huge fight because like, we have to go out of our way to find one that the dining room is open. And we realize we made one of the best decisions of this trip. <laughs> we pull into this Whataburger, and it's packed. And there is a security guard there. Who is fully fucking strapped? Oh, full beyond fully strapped. He had, he had, he had a Batman like utility belt <laughs> that included like you kept calling the Batman. Yeah, like he had mace on there. He had his fucking iPhone X like with a twenty inch screen hanging from it. He had a gun and two extra clips. I was like, what you know. What is this for? If Antifa rolls into this Whataburger, like, is this guy, is this dude literally, he had, he had fucking 36 bullets on him. So he, he's got a gun with all these bullets, which is the most Texas thing, you know, just open carry. Let everybody know he's on watch at Whataburger. He's got his Apple AirPods in his ears. Yeah. But what made it interesting, he wasn't just security. He was walking around asking people their order number to help the staff get everyone their food. Yeah. I, and I didn't understand, like, I... You were mocking him the whole time. Yeah, because... Which, which, which was interesting. I said, Joe, this guy is fully loaded and ready to just unload lead into people's stomachs. Look... I, and you're just mocking him to his face. Me getting uh, unlawfully shot is probably my destiny. Like, that's probably <laughs> how I'm going to go out of this world. But uh, this guy, it almost seemed like there was a position at this Whataburger for somebody who, when an order number comes up, and everybody's sitting in this restaurant drunk, it almost seems like there is a position there for somebody from the staff 
that goes and sorts out what number people have because they know they're going to yell it out and they're, people are too drunk and they're not going to hear it. So it's almost like this Whataburger employee was like, guys, if I'm just going to be walking around asking people their numbers the whole time, why don't I just buy a hat that says security, <laughs> wear a black polo shirt and black pants, strap up, and also act as fucking security here? <laughs> I'm not sure that he was like a – I'm not sure he was like an employee of a security company. I think he might just be a Whataburger employee. I think he might just be a counter person that wears his own fucking uniform that says security because it's an open carry state in Texas. And basically the fry guy – was strapped up, ready to shoot people because there was there was a near altercation in there. Well, there was. He didn't get involved at all. No, there was a near altercation. The only thing he got involved in was checking people's like basically delivering bags of food to people while carrying thirty six bullets. Yeah, so it was an interesting scene. You were worked up, and things really escalated. This dude walks in. These dudes on his phone. He's got, he's all he's all iced out with his bling. This black dude walks in. And he's talking so loud on his phone. And he's be- you could see he's a character. And I made the comment early on when he walked in. I go, this guy's like a BET sketch. Like this guy's, f- th- like this- there's some shit's going to happen. And uh, I don't think he even came in to order food. We- At this point, we're pretty convinced he did not order any food. Yeah, did we see him order any food? Did he I- get food? I didn't see him order any food. And somehow the conversation went. Well, there was a guy there in a Zeke jersey. There's a guy there in a Zeke jersey. And so... In front of the whole restaurant, he starts talking NFL, and he starts busting this guy's balls for having the Zeke jersey, being a Cowboys fan. And he's saying he is a Saints fan, and he's going, who that? And he keeps saying that. And at our table, I said I wanted to yell out L.A. Rams, and I could see, especially some of the New York balls, I forget who it was. Somebody said, don't do it. Yeah. Because they were worried, uh, you know, I might get shot. Yeah. And then some dude from across the room yells out Packers. No, that was before that. Oh, that was before that. So what happens is, is this before you do the World Star thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. because then they really got, it, yeah, it yeah. really escalated when they started talking about who had won championships and stuff like that. You got a Saints fan with one championship ever. So here's what happens. He's talking a lot of shit and he's going, who that? And I yell out from the back corner. I just scream out, LA Rams. And then the whole restaurant then looks at me and I'm like, oh boy, what did I do? And then the guy goes, L.A. Rams. And then he starts talking about the obvious missed pass interference call. And then this group of like white kids in the back corner, then they get courageous and they yell out Packers. So now at this point, everyone in the restaurant is just yelling out their teams. I, I was not going to mention that I was a New York Giants fan in the fucking in the state of Texas. I didn't want the proud boy fry guy to t- fucking put 40 bullets in me. <laughs> So we don't. This is kind of chaotic now. Everyone's yelling out shit. It's like three a.m. in this Whataburger, and then the dude wearing the Ezekiel Elliott jersey talks shit, and he says, "How many rings do the Cowboys have? Five? I think so." He says five rings, <laughs> and then the black dude who was all iced out. What's his line, Joe? He's like, "From when? When PlayStation One was out?" And when after he says that, when PlayStation One was out, <laughs> know. Did I pull this video? I don't oh, know. Fuck. It's past 24 hours. Can I pull that stuff yeah, from Instagram? You, you, you can still go get stuff from your archives. When he makes the PlayStation joke about the last time. I just did Def Comedy Jam audience member. Like when somebody really kills a joke, the black guys get up and run up and down the aisle. Prano does a dead sprint out of his seat and yells, World Star. 
car and starts sprinting up and down in the restaurant, which then causes the black dude who made the joke to start sprinting. Yeah. It, it's complete and utter chaos. At this point, I am ready for the security guard to start unloading yeah. bullets. And, and, and as we do that, the security guard is like, are either of you guys number 34? <laughs> I've got some steak fries here, and I don't know whose they are. It was absolutely, I might put it top three late night fast food restaurant experiences of my life. I'm so glad that Nick did get the experience. Nick, I'm going to bring you back on here. What was your take on the whole Whataburger late night experience? Well, I mean, yeah, we're over here in Fort Worth, Dallas right now, and they have the Six Flags. But all I got to say is the amusement park in Armarillo is the Whataburger on Georgia Street. It was an absolutely incredible time. Last, last time I was in Texas, I went down to In-N-Out. And it was a great time. I'll go eating there for the first time. Shout out to my buddy, Garrett Harnick and Justin DeVellis. But, I mean, this was just something else. This is just something. Like you said, it's out of, like, a reality television show. And it, it was just so crazy. The food was great. But, I mean, overall, this experience is, I mean, it's, it's unmatched. Yeah. I think I think the burger's better at In-N-Out. But just the Christian sensibility, you know, all the cups have, like, a Bible quote inscripted on the bottom or some shit like that. Just it doesn't bring the same potential for debauchery as that A-frame Whataburger. I think there's something in just the architecture where just that A-frame draws this a, a special energy. Right, right. Yeah, and I mean, like the, the, the whole security guard there, I've never been to a a fast food restaurant that had essentially like a bouncer or, yeah. in this case, yeah, the security guard who's strapped up. And I talked to him for a little bit and yeah he said he did work there every night um it is there's a good chance he did get his outfit from party city yeah (laughs) you were trying to get me shot so prano i'm going up to get water and prano would scream out from the back at one point he goes hey what were you saying about security guard saying you could take him you saying that guy's a bitch you said you could take and you kept calling him batman yeah you you said you could take batman well i you know to me and uh i've been pretty open about this and you know i I'm sure my uh, representation doesn't want me saying it, but I'm pretty open about my hatred of cops <laughs> and the fact that a lot of them, I think, uh, you he know, he wasn't a cop. I know, but I think it, it's a it's a similar it's a similar vibe. Like he gave off a very similar vibe to the guys who you see that like shoot somebody for no reason. It's like he seemed scared, he seemed nervous, he seems like he's completely unqualified to be a security guard in any situation, let alone being put into a uh, high-traffic Whataburger late-night drunken situation where basically everybody he's going to interact with is somebody who's hangry and wasted. Uh, the guy just seemed like he was on edge. And yeah. so I was, I was enjoying fucking with him a little bit because I knew that that guy, like the last thing that guy wants in life is to have an altercation. That's why he's handing out fucking French fries. But he also, at the same time, like wants to seem like a big dog leaning over by the fucking soda machine. Like, dude, this, this is a big restaurant. Why are you standing right by the fucking soda machine? Like, I'm trying to get a Mr. Pib, and you're over here fucking like an armed guard. Like, this ain't a fucking Brinks truck, bro. It's the fucking soda machine. Can I get some ice? Get the fuck out of the way. I loved it. I love the whole experience. I mean, and I got, I'm not a big Whataburger food fan. I'm, uh, I think it's maybe overrated, especially by like the Texas folks. Texas folks would be like, Whataburger fucking bro. A little bit overrated, although I got to say the root beer milkshake was pretty bomb. Yeah, I got a chocolate milkshake, which I also said, not the best for me. 
Yeah. I'll, I'll take in and out I've had root beer floats before, but I've never had a root beer milkshake, and yeah. it, was, it was damn good. Well, we've said it all about this Texas trip so far. We still have another day and a half, two days left. Do you want to cover a little sports? I want to wrap this bad boy. We got a yeah. Pool. Well, we're staying down here. We have a nice little cottage. We got a pool in the back. I think we'll let's do uh, a quick delve into sports and wrap it up. But uh, the security guard uh, is sort of a, a nice segue into two um, stories from the NFL that I think have to be touched down. That security guard, he's acting like he wants to be there. You know, he's acting like he's tough. He's acting like he's a badass, but in reality. I think in the end, he didn't want to play ball. I, I dangled that carrot in front of him for a little trouble. He didn't He didn't bite that carrot. He didn't fucking chase that carrot. Same way Antonio Brown and Ezekiel Elliott, these are two guys, you know, they talk a lot. There's a lot of eat, 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 eat happening. And where's Ezekiel Elliott? Where's Antonio Brown? Antonio Brown is now back on this helmet thing, which he said he is. You know, said he wasn't happy, but that he was going to accept it and he'd be back. I don't know where Antonio Brown is. I guess we'll get a little bit more information well, or not on well, next Raiders. Hard I do. Knocks. I do have an update. He did show up to practice today. Oh, he's at practice today. No problems. Okay. So yesterday, Mike Mayock issued a yeah. Mike Mayock went full on in or out challenge. Yeah. And the latest report I have is that he showed up and there were no problems, and he practiced. He practiced with his new helmet. His, his new feet. Whatever the situation is. Now, we have Nick sitting here, and uh, you guys got into it the other night because basically you've, you've abandoned, you have hopped off the Antonio Brown train. You were the, you were fucking little Texan. You were riding that Antonio Brown train. You were the engineer on the Antonio Brown train for a long time, and now you've hopped off. You were very critical of Antonio Brown the other night. Well, of course, I'm going to be critical of how he's acting. But I also said I still wanted to bet Nick, Nick, who is a Steelers fan here, yards Antonio Brown versus Juju Schuster. Yeah. I have no problem doing that bet. I still think Antonio Brown will be fine. He's got a quality quarterback. He's got an offensive-minded head coach. As long as he plays, as long as he's not a complete and utter head case, which he's being right now. Right. So he needs to chill that out. And then I think he'll be fine. I think Juju Smith-Schuster is a great wide receiver, too. I also think what Sean Merriman said last week on our show is very valid. Yeah. He's, uh, your, okay. boy, your boy's chomping at the bit to get a rebuttal. Yeah, I agree with you. There's a, there's, there is some validity to suddenly, you know, being the number one, and he's going to get doubled. And not only being the number one and getting doubled, but not having an Antonio Brown as the number one who has to draw so much more attention – uh, but the Steelers have done a good job of replacing wide receivers over the years. They are, they have been a good uh, franchise when it comes to drafting wide receivers. Yeah, and we were talking about this the other night, and I, I looked into it. The last time the Steelers didn't have a 1,000-yard receiver was in 2007. That was in the San Antonio Holmes, who actually had like 952 yards. The Steelers just have this... You can call it a system or, you know, like system running back, system wide receiver. They just produce playmakers. And, you know, this happened with Mike Wallace. When Mike Wallace left, Antonio Brown was the next guy up, and people started questioning him. Is he going to start getting double coverage? This is when they paid Antonio Brown, and he became the Antonio Brown that we know. Juju Smith-Schuster has had a more prolific first two years 
of his NFL career than Antonio Brown did. So I'm not really concerned about Juju Smith-Schuster. I'm not saying he's going to be like the 2015 Antonio Brown that became Antonio Brown, but he's still in this Steelers offense with Ben Roethlisberger at the helm for, you know, as long as he stays healthy, he's still going to be Ben Roethlisberger. And, you know, it's still a Steelers offense. And look what happens to Raiders wide receivers. You know? So it begs the question, you are on the Schuster bandwagon. Ruther still thinks Antonio Brown's going to outplay Juju Smith-Schuster. I'm going to steal one from Nick Yardley here. Square up. <laughs> Square up. What, what are we putting on the table here? What do you want to put on For an on Antonio this? Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster. I don't know. What are we doing? Yards, receptions, touchdowns, three-way, just yards. What's, what's the how, wager? How about this? How about this? Obviously, I'm a big fan of all the amazing work you do for us. If Antonio Brown finishes with less yards, I'll fly you out to L.A. Now, you're going to have to stay on my couch, <laughs> but I'll fly you out to L.A. on my dime. Okay. And if, and if Juju, if uh, Antonio Brown does it, what are, you, what are you looking for in return? I don't know, free video or something? Like, 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 a single free video? You, you know, uh, What's up? I, I can do like an eating crow video. I'll eat crow. I'll, uh, I'm, I'm from, I, I go to the same school as Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown actually has me blocked on Twitter. I'm not sure if you know this. I've heckled him on Twitter before. So me and Antonio Brown don't have the best relationship. I can make uh, an eating crow video. I will, I will have you mentioned in it as well. We'll do something for you. Free content for the Dirty Sports Network. Works for me. I think, and I'm just gonna we're, go. I'm gonna go ahead and throw this out there. I think that uh, that should include you burning a Juju Smith-Schuster jersey. <laughs> okay. Now, now in that video, we're just saying yards, right? Because I don't want to do receptions. Sure. I don't want to do, do touchdowns. Yards. Just yards. We're gonna say who's gonna have more yards, Antonio Brown or Juju Smith-Schuster? Now you now you now have two. You have two Antonio Brown yards bets, and I gotta ask you just for an update on your feelings. You're so confident. You ne- I, I, I actually don't know that you've been more confident in any bet you've ever made. Russell Wilson, any of the any of the wagers you've ever made. Uh, do, do you get any fear of our Odell Beckham Antonio Brown bet when you see Antonio Brown on Doritos refusing to play? His GM calling him out. I know a big part of your uh, anti Odell campaign was the, the the diva title that you gave him, and that he's not going to play, and blah blah blah. Now your guy is just sitting out games, being having to be called out by his GM just to show up. Well, I'm not worried about that bet because I'm going to bring up the stats right now. Antonio Brown for current career yards heading into this season has 11,207. Mm-hmm. Odell Beckham Jr., who obviously has played a lot less seasons, I get that, 5,476. So basically, Antonio Brown is 6,000 yards career total ahead. So this is what I do in my head, 6,000 yards. About four seasons. So I say, okay, Odell, does Odell Beckham have four more 1,500-yard seasons to match him? Yeah, probably. But after that, man, we all see what happens with wide receivers. Like, let's say Odell Beckham Jr. has four straight 1,500-yard seasons, which is not easy to do. Then at that point, he's matched with him. So I still feel confident in that. And Odell still wouldn't be 30, but I just know Odell's also been injury-prone, man. 
you you know it. Once guys are injury prone, a lot of times that bug doesn't leave them. Whereas Antonio Brown, if you look since he became a starter, he's not really injury prone. He plays games unless he's whining about his helmet. Here's what I need for AB, and I'll be confident in this bet. I just need like a couple more thousand yard seasons, and I'll feel fine. Which happens all the time to Raiders wide receivers. <laughs> hey man, you're a Derek Carr fan. Yeah, I am. You're a supporter of his quarterback. Absolutely. Although I gotta say, and uh, I know I'm gonna take a lot of heat for this, Antonio Brown, uh, a lot of a lot of big play Antonio Brown in his career. Uh, Odell Beckham, a lot more you know, slants that he takes seventy yards to the house. Antonio Brown, big deep pass guy. Not exactly uh, the Raiders with Derek Carr's uh, offensive strategy. They're a lot more of a West Coast offense. They're a lot more of the the quick hits. A lot less of the you know the the Ben Roethlisberger scramble around. Hope no one hits you. Chuck it downfield. Uh, hope you know. Yes means yes. And well, Antonio Brown makes the play. Well, I'll just say this as I look at their stats even farther, and I'm saying if Odell gets four straight 1500 yard seasons. Through five seasons, Odell has never, not once, had a 1,500-yard season. Not a single time. And, and, I'm, and I'm hedging this bet on him getting four straight. You also got Jarvis Landry. You also yeah. got you know Kareem Hunt. You got some people on Cleveland's team. Who- so almost the, the converse of the conversation that we've been having, suddenly Odell Beckham, not the only guy in an offense – uh, in the passing game that a team has to worry about, suddenly with Njoku and Jarvis Landry and Callaway and just the the high powered offense that they're certainly going to be running with Baker, who they I think they're going to want throwing the ball forty to fifty times a game. Yeah, we'll see, man. We'll see how this plays out. Obviously, we have a few more years for this to. This is a long bet. And it's not even a bet. It's me saying I would shove the L chain up my ass. Yeah, pretty good bet. I don't know. It's not even a bet. It's just a. This is the claim. Yeah. I would shove the L chain up my ass. I don't even know how that would work. I mean, we'll make it work. Okay. We'll 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 we'll, we'll sand those corners round. Well, well, let's let's get this show basically wrapped up. I do want to say we are in Texas, so we have to bring up Ezekiel Elliott and what Jerry Jones said. Zeke, who, and reports are that Zeke is not happy about that. Now, I don't think Zeke Zeke is going to express his unhappiness by showing up to square up. With Jerry Jones, I have a feeling that he's just going to continue to do what Zeke Elliott does. How much would you pay for that, though? How much would you pay to watch Zeke just punch Jerry Jones in the face? Also, would that kill him? Um, the reason I would pay a lot is because I would love to see um, Cowboys fans have video evidence of Zeke punching Jerry Jones in the face and still saying he did nothing wrong. Much like they have when they have video evidence of his other assaults. Yeah. They're like, oh, this is a conspiracy. They're out, the NFL's out to take down their number one selling jersey because they hate the Cowboys, America's team. Uh, I would love more video evidence of an Ezekiel Elliott assault so that Cowboys fans could claim that nothing happened. Yeah. That would make me very happy. Well, I think he's going to end up playing at the end of the day money. You think, talks. You think he's. Do you think that he is on the field for week one in, in uh, of the NFL season? Do you think he's on the field for snap one? How many weeks away are we? Three? Three weeks away. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're three weeks away. 
Yeah, he plays week one. With a new contract. You think they give him the, the deal he wants? Actually, I take that back. He won't be back week one. <laughs> yeah, there you go. He'll be back before game four. Going Le'Veon Bell style. He's going to take the extra weeks. Yeah. And uh, a lot of that, again, will depend on how they play. If they come out all right, he loses leverage. If they don't, he has leverage. Meanwhile, their quarterback also looking for a deal. As a Giants fan, I'm just licking my chops that this, the, the Dallas Cowboys are eat, eat, eating themselves when alive. You, when did the Giants play the Cowboys? Week, Week one. one. That's what I thought. Week one. So you're loving this drama headed into I, the start of the I season. I love it. I love it. I hope, I hope Jerry Jones says something like, these boys need to get back out into the field, you know, or something like that. I hope I hope he makes a like a bold racist. I want I want all of his players like refusing to play for him. I just want like I just want just complete and utter anarchy. I want I want the Cowboys locker room to be a Whataburger at three in the morning. I just want anarchy. Yeah. I want one white guy with a gun trying to get everybody else in line. Mayhem. Yeah. And who is the security guard? Jerry Jones? Yeah. Jerry Jones. Just running around with jerseys with numbers on it. Like, who is 34? I'm looking for 34. Is there a 34 here? You're supposed to be my fullback. Some some drunk guy with a fucking steak fries in front of him. I'm 34. I will say, I've never had somebody with a gun and 400 clips give me my fries. I think the Dallas Cowboys locker room is a late night Whataburger. Might be our... I was already thinking that. The Dallas Cowboys are Whataburger at 3 a.m. Love it. There's your title. That's the show. Guys, it's been fun. Thanks to Nick here. Thanks to Michael Mitch, who's sharing this amazing cottage. Thanks to Marianne, who has no clue we're recording a podcast. No. And her amazing cottage in the Dallas area. We'll be back in L.A. for our next episode. You guys can follow us if you're a new subscriber. I know we picked up a lot of people from Amarillo. Guys, we are on Twitter and Instagram at The Dirty Sports. You can subscribe to us on YouTube. Most of our episodes are streamed live when we are back in our studio, which is the Smut Studio in Venice Beach. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram at Andy Ruther. Joe Prano. At Joe Prano on Instagram, at Fix Your Life on Twitter, JoePrano.com for live shows. I'll be in San Diego, home of the San Diego Padres, which our sod poodles are an affiliate of. Uh, the first weekend in September with Eddie Ift at the La Jolla Comedy Store. So come check that out if you're in the Southern California, San Diego area. And uh, for you new listeners who just tuned in, who uh, found us from the big screen in Amarillo or uh, any of the antics that we did uh, around the city or around Texas on our trip. Uh, just FYI, we usually do talk a lot more sports. Uh, it's not always a recap of uh, our days and weeks that we just had. Um, but obviously, since we have been uh, kind of nose to the grindstone here, we haven't been able to keep up with a ton of the sports goings on this weekend. But before we wrap up the show, I do want to give a shout out to my boy, the polar bear, Pete Alonzo, who uh, is now the National League rookie leader, home runs for a season. He passed Cody Bellinger, 39 from a couple years ago. There have been something like 140,000 Major League Baseball players in history or some shit like that, and uh, no one has hit more home runs in their rookie year in the National League than my boy, Petey Boy Alonzo.
Glad you got the shout out. Let's fucking go, Mets. Glad you got the shout out in, Joe. Yeah. Okay, guys, that's the show. Thanks for listening. Shout out to all our new subscribers and listeners. And most importantly, stay dirty.